0: Well, how did your Saturday go? If you were like me, you gathered to watch some college football games. By all accounts, I think the Bama fans lost a few pounds yesterday. But somehow they eluded disaster and escaped Texas still undefeated. Auburn fans were somewhat lukewarm in reflection of their win yesterday, While the Furman fans amongst us stand tall and proud that the Paladins went up against the mighty fifth-ranked Clemson Tigers and held them to less than what the spread indicated would be the margin of victory, and we got paid. (laughs) Oh yes, it was a great day of fall victory, and so many times we look forward to our fall victory with great anticipation or excitement. Such was the case in 2001 when I, your pastor, was an incoming freshman at Furman University. We had had all sorts of festivities in what was then known as O week or orientation week. We had met people all throughout school and all of us were primed for that very important first day of class. I myself had set my alarm clock for 6 a.m. in anticipation of Western Civ at 8 a.m. in Furman Hall. I entered class early and had my notebooks and pencils ready to go. I wanted the professor to know that I was ready and prepared for success. Following Western Civ was to be freshman English in nearby Johnny Johns Hall. And it was upon entering into that classroom that something caught my eye. For on a television screen, there was a World Trade Center that was on fire. It said a plane had run into it. In my young mind, I thought that it was nothing more than a single engine Cessna. How crazy, I thought, that someone would literally fly their plane into something so big, so obvious. But as I left my 9 a.m. English class, I began to hear rumors. It was a terrorist attack. I went down to the university center to buy my books, and it was there in real time that I, along with dozens of other students, watched as the second plane went into Tower 2, and then we all shrieked in a collective scream as the towers began to fall. It was a tragedy, upon tragedy. Numbly, we returned to our dorm rooms, and I, along with people I had just barely met, gathered in a crowded freshman room, to pray on our knees for those that we knew had lost our lives and for so many others that we knew were now in the midst of a global conflict that was going to drag on and on for years to come. Yes, it was a sore tragedy, something now, 21 years later, we still haven't gotten over, and I pray we never will But out of that tragedy, you might remember a unique unity was born in the context of our nation. People of all stripes and strides put aside differences. And in that moment of tragedy, we came together, we cried, we prayed, we were one, at least for a little while. That tragedy that forged unity was not long-lasting, for in months following, we returned to our old ways of division and rancor, and I think 21 years later, we are more divided as a nation than we have ever been before. It leads us to wonder if tragedy can unite us, What can preserve that unity so that we do not lose it and so that we stay as one people of God even when the tragedy is long time ago? Perhaps the word of God gives us insight. For in Bethlehem, it was a time of great tragedy, for there was famine throughout the land it was during the time of the judges, long before the first king of Israel was ever named. The people suffered mightily, for there was nothing to eat. One who was under the patriarch's name of Imelech and was under the leadership of a matriarch named Naomi salt refuge in nearby Moab. It goes to show you just how dire the circumstances were for Moab was clearly and historically a foe of ancient Israel, practicing pagan worship and oftentimes attacking Israel. But in great times of tragedy, solutions can be sought anywhere. So the family goes to that foreign land only to see that tragedy will be met with further tragedy. Though Naomi's sons married Moabite women, they soon lose every single male member of their family. Naomi losing her husband and then shortly thereafter, both of her sons. This is a bleak prospect in this time of civilization for. Without a male member of your family, there can be no title to land. There can be no lineage that is to follow. You are destitute and all alone. Naomi does the only thing she thinks is reasonable. For Bethlehem has been blessed again with the harvest. She will go home She tells her two daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, to go and marry others, for surely there's no future in a family where there are no male heirs. But it is one named Ruth who, out of a sense of tragedy, clings to her mother-in-law and says, "'We will be unified.'" The ripture of our verses in 16 and 17 say it. Don't urge me to leave you, Ruth said, or to turn back from you. Where I will go, I, I will go. And where I will stay, you will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. In that moment of tragedy, Ruth clings to Naomi and says, not even death will separate us. They go back to Bethlehem and the word is all abuzz in that town. Did you hear that Naomi is back? But Naomi answers, Do not call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. For now, what was once meant to mean blessed and pleasurable, it means bitter. Naomi looks at the bleak prospect of life. Without title, without land, without a way forward, she has the opportunity to completely become bitter. But God shows her a better way. She... Leaves the binds of being bitter and instead pursues the alternative of becoming better. You know, bitter and better are two words that look closely similar but are drastically different in their meaning. They also represent choices that you and I can make in the throes of tragedy. Yes, we can become bitter, but God can also show us How to become better. It's in that spirit that Naomi looks at Ruth, one who is a foreigner now in a distant land and says, you will be the way in which my family has a future. She coaches Ruth and enlightens her as to how to make relationships and networks to the community. She is the reason why Ruth meets a future husband in Boaz. And through Boaz, they finally have a male representative of their family, which allows them to return to land, to title, to future, and in the historical sense, a future which represents immeasurably more than all they could ever ask or imagine For Ruth and Boaz have a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David, and David was to represent an irrevocable kingship of the land of Judah, one which God promised will be on the throne forever and ever. Amen. And that promise was secured when Christ Jesus came, he who was in the lineage of David, he who was the king of Judah, and he who sits presently at the right hand of God forevermore. You see, though tragedy began to unite their hearts and minds, It was not meant to be a permanent solution for God desires for all of his people, you and me, not to live in the muck and mire of tragedy forever. That is supposed to be but temporary. And while useful for unity, what ultimately binds our hearts and minds together forever and ever from generation to generation is to be the promise of triumph. Which God proclaims over all of us, whether it be in the promise of a male heir through Boaz and Ruth, which ultimately contributed to the family lineage of Christ Jesus himself, or whether it be in the moments of Christ Jesus' life when he represents the tragedy that all of us have experienced. For in the cross, of Jesus Christ where he was nailed hand and foot and left to die. It represents that all of us will experience grave tragedy in our lives. We look at Christ Jesus upon the cross and we know that even when we suffer we do not do so alone. Christ likewise suffered. He ended his physical life with great tragedy, but that was not to be what concluded the story. For on the third day, Christ Jesus arose. The tomb was empty, the stone was removed, and Jesus walked forward in triumphal victory, proclaiming himself to be the first fruits of all children of the resurrection. You see, my friends, while we are able to identify in the cross of Christ as that which is true for all of us, tragedy in our lives, whether it be individually or corporately, will occur. And yes, that will unify us. What ultimately preserves the unity is not tragedy, but triumph. And there is no greater triumph for any and all who profess faith in Christ than his own resurrection. That as Jesus left the grave clothes and walked forward to victory, so too shall you and I in a day in which we leave this physical life and enter into heaven, but also in the here and now. You see, tragedy is intermingled in the various chapters of our lives In some way, on some level, you are experiencing a tragedy of some sort. It could be the loss of a loved one. It could be ongoing grief. It could be the diagnosis of an illness and the prognosis looks grave. It could be the disappointment that is inherent with human relationships. It can be the difficulty of serving others in Christian ministry. Whatever it is and whoever you are, in some way you have tragedy in your life and it is hard. But Jesus says through the cross, You are not alone and never will you be, for I can identify with your struggle. You are not alone in your experience, but overall, don't forget that even though there is weeping that comes in the night, joy will be present in the morning. The resurrection is the ultimate promise of Christ. It is the promise that triumphs all of our tragedy, which makes sense of our lives, which speaks truth to the fact that all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his promise and purpose. It is that power and truth that speaks to you and me here and now and says what ultimately binds our collected hearts and minds together from generation to generation is the promise of ultimate freedom through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Something that we can understand intellectually, but moreover, we are supposed to live experientially. Your belief is wonderful if you say I believe in the resurrection. But the thing that will leave a story to be told for the generations that are to be followed are the people of God who embody the spirit of resurrection. And say, although tragedy is real, although pain hurts, and I don't know if I can go forward another day, there's a promise called the resurrection of Jesus, and it says that in the end of time, there will be no more pain, there will be no more night, the Lamb himself will be the light of the city of God, and he, Christ Jesus, will dry every tear from every human face. There's triumph that awaits us, and that, my friends, is what will preserve the unity forever and always. And that is why I believe Paul exclaims in doxology to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. All praise and honor be to him in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.